0: Eight fifteen, nearly, and just two days away from the first inter-Korean summit in over a decade. It seems like the North's leader Kim Jong Un is ready to move away from nuclear weapons and focus instead on economic development. But is there a a trick somewhere? Is all as it seems? Ernie Bauer is CEO of Bauer Group Asia, a consulting firm that specialises in Asia Pacific affairs, and joins us for further discussion. Uh, also, is a non-resident senior advisor for Southeast Asia programme at the Centre for Strategic and International Studies. Thank you for taking the time. Good morning. And in the last few hours, we've seen a a development of sorts. President Trump's nominee for Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, talking about Admiral Harry Harris uh, as the new ambassador to Korea. He's currently head of US Pacific Command, had been on his way to Australia, it looked like. So what's your view of that development?
1: I think it's very positive. Shows a couple things. One, Pompeo is going to shake up the State Department and add a level of decisiveness and uh, and activity that um just wasn't there under Tillerson. Second, Harris is uh is a welcome uh as a welcome selection for Korea. I think even the Australians who will be very stung by uh by losing Admiral Harris, who, um, as you know, was born in Japan, but is uh, one of the most decorated uh, American military leaders uh, working in the Pacific, um, he is the right person to be in Korea at this time, and I think the Australians will uh, will support um, uh, Pompeo and Trump's decision on that.
0: On the surface, having a military man as ambassador could look like an aggressive move, but. But it's obviously not necessarily the case at all. In fact, the so-called mad dog James Mattis has actually been one of the calmer voices in handling uh, North Korea. So so what what do we expect from Harris if he's on the ground here?
1: I know Admiral Harris. He's a realist. Uh, he is a, a very practical man. He is... Um, uh, one of the best diplomats we have, and I think um, I think you'll find that um, the the U.S. military is extremely professional, and Harris is the best, uh, one of the best of the best there. So he he's going to take a, a very practical view, um, and I think he his, his diplomacy uh, will be um, strength um, backed by uh, a realistic view, uh, which is probably just what we need in in the in the Korean U.S. relationship right now.
0: Well, certainly this week, we'll see, I'm sure, a positive mood continue. The the, the big question is what happens, I think, after the the Trump summit, if and when that happens. Maybe we can talk about that in a moment. But first, this inter-Korean summit planned for this Friday and everything that's led up to it, the the Winter Games participation, the various working-level talks, Kim Jong-un's visit to China as well, so on the other side of the equation. Does this all mean that we're moving towards a a positive atmosphere in the region with, with beneficial economic effects?
1: Well, I, I hope so. Um, look, I mean, it's a lot better than six months ago, right, where you had uh, uh, everybody sort of planning for um, contingencies. They're still planning uh, for those contingencies, but um, I think there was a real sense of dread and doom and anxiety uh, hanging over um, the North Korea issue. Now, at least, there's reason for for some hope um, to have these discussions, and I think that's important because uh, you know Korea plays a, a really essential role in uh, in global supply chains. Um, it's um, especially important to the tech and, and smart products sector, with 17% of global market share in semiconductors and 64% of the of the memory chip market flowing through uh, Korea and um and if you have the have a threat hanging over over the the country a nuclear threat like that um you really have con- companies and and countries planning contingencies to divert supply chains away from korea and have redundant um redundant flows and chains so that they have they'll have something they can do if there is a conflict so we're in a much better position now than than we were a couple of months ago
0: Is there an argument that from a purely South Korean point of view, we're so desensitized that it doesn't make much difference on the ground uh, and in the markets, even during the so-called war of words, Uh, investor sentiment wasn't particularly impacted, for example?
1: I think that's sort of true. You know, in part, I'm sure it has to do with the fact that South Koreans have lived under Pyongyang's threat for the past seven decades. So no matter what happens, South Koreans are not fundamentally shaken and and carry on their business. Um, I think that level of confidence that that they imbue in their international partners has carried the day. But there's a real question of what what Korea could do without that hanging over them. So I think... um, It's hard to price in this kind of political risk that an armed nuclear state poses for business. But um, I think managers are are thinking strategically about contingency plans that they can execute uh, in some event of uh, of a crisis. And I think Korea cannot afford to be complacent um, because uh, companies will look to... um, Bend these flows into places like Taiwan or Southeast Asia or, or other countries if if the um, if the threat uh, continues and I, and I think that's that's not good for South Korea in the long run
0: what about North Korea's economic interests if we are to believe the state media reporting from Pyongyang Kim jong-un is uh, very much keen now on developing the economy and and on the surface, I'm sure many of us would say, yeah, why not improve the economy? But the implication is that prepared to move away from nukes in the direction of the economy, which raises all kinds of questions, doesn't it? Like economic improvement, prosperity for the people, connection with the outside world, if sanctions are lifted, it could also be a dangerous, even unstable time for North Korea's regime.
1: Yeah, um, I think Kim probably views the Trump administration's willingness to meet him as a form of recognition that he, the North Korean regime has acquired nuclear and intercontinental missile capabilities and so he clearly wants the world to believe that they've acquired these technologies um, and from my understanding of the intelligence they they may have already achieved some of those benchmarks um and if not they're looking to acquire them in the near future we believe so in this respect i think it makes sense for the kim regime to to shift now to focus on the second track of his plan um which was economic development as you mentioned and having probably doing so because he's, he believes he's more or less to the first track's objectives but how north korea uh uh, adjust with uh, deals with this and whether the North Korean will allow a verifiable de- denuclearization process to occur are are critical um, and that's going to have to be determined by South Korea the United States Japan and China and other regional partners so that they can maintain a a closely coordinated policy of pressure against Pyongyang until that verifiable de- denuclearization process begins um, and I think until then we won't really see the, uh, the fruits of uh, sort of this economic blossoming and, and bloom, which which does hold great potential, but I think we have to be very careful.
0: Well, what's your view of the question of, of North Korea's denuclearization? For example, if you were advising Pyongyang, which would be an interesting position for you to be in, would you say they can even trust the outside world to, to lay off and not try to influence human rights or any other important issues if North Korea agrees to denuclearize?
1: Well, look. I mean, I, I think if 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 Kim Jong Un was ever going to make a move, and he was concerned about those issues, this would be the time. You know, the Trump administration, uh, to be honest, has not pressed uh, human rights, um, um, some of the core fabric of, of U.S. foreign policy. He, he just hasn't raised those with uh, with. Um, Counterparts, so this is uh, maybe it's the right time for Kim Jong Un to take a practical um, and a and a transactional view and and do something moving forward. Maybe take Trump's offer to to open up, and maybe he'll believe that he he needs to do this uh, and and that this is the time to do it. Uh, I'm not overly optimistic. Um, you know, looking at the North Korea's North Korean regime's long history of making promises and breaking them. Uh, stretching back uh to Kim Jong-un's father's leadership and and also his grandfather's i just don't know if we can now trust Kim Jong-un to make the kind of changes to North koreans political economy that would allow for a, a greater opening up and i don't know whether uh and i i doubt that he will, you know trust is is not something that um, you can create overnight it no. has to be built up so i think we have a a long road ahead but starting down that road would be extremely positive.
0: Well, thank you very much, Ernie Bauer, CEO of Bauer Group Asia, Centre for Strategic and International Studies. Pleasure having you with us on the line.
1: Thank you for having me.